Feelings, the podcast where we discuss, review, and rate the foods your parents said would spoil your appetites. I'm JP, and my guest today is Jimmy of the Drop the Pilot podcast, and he's joining us today from Scotland. Welcome, Jimmy. Oh, well, thanks for having me, JP. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. The pleasure has been mine. So you, uh, I mentioned your podcast there in the beginning. Uh, we kind of got to know each other. I guessed it on yours before. For maybe uh, the, my listeners who don't know what it's about, do you have a real brief description of what it is you do? Yeah, of course. Um, it's a podcast about television pilots okay. that became nothing. Basically, just those pilots that didn't make it to series. So there's always just one episode of these shows and we watch them and talk about them and then sometimes we come to shreds if they're really, really bad. <laughs> <laughs> and I suppose the good to bad ratio for shows that never got made into actual long-running shows must be some really bad ones there. They're mostly bad, yes. <laughs> As I've discovered in my almost two years of doing the podcast, it is almost all bad. But there's been a couple in there that have been quite good. Okay. Uh, okay. One or two. Now, uh, just uh, off the top of your head, would, was is there any that stuck out as, as the worst one that you've, you've seen so far? Absolutely. I've said this for a while now, but the worst one I've ever watched was there was a pilot for a Clerks sitcom. Okay. Uh, so the movie Kevin, Clerks? Yeah, the movie Clerks uh, by Kevin Smith. Well, he had nothing to do with the sitcom pilot. <laughs> Um, and it was on, I think it was on NBC or something. It was on one of the network shows, network channels. Mm-hmm. So it was uh, sanitized beyond all recognition. And it was terrible. That's that's the worst one. But I had a lot of fun recording that podcast because I ranted a bit and swore a bit about it. So that was quite good. <laughs> I'll have to go back and give that a listen. All right. Well, that that's all. Uh, I had a lot of fun being on the podcast. Thanks again for having me. And, and for those no of you who are you know, into cracking jokes about bad television, uh, certainly give it a try. But for now, let's uh, talk about food. So mm-hmm. doing a, a little bit of a, a Scottish-based episode today with things that are uh, mostly found in Scotland and very popular in Scotland. Uh, before we get started on reviewing this rusty orange concoction I have in front of me, <laughs> a few quick questions for you, Jimmy. What's, what would you say is your drink of choice? Well, see, I, as a Scotsman, I should say Iron Brew, which is right. what you're going to try. But right. it is not. Okay. <laughs> as a child, it used to be Iron Brew. Uh-huh. But as I got older, I started to taste other drinks. And I'm actually quite partial to something cherry flavored now. Like oh. Cherry Coke or Pepsi Max Cherry, that sort of thing I like. And um, the company that makes Iron Brew, they're called Bar. And right. they also make a Cherry Aid, and I quite like that. So, okay. Yeah. Both Cherry Pepsi and Cherry Coke, do you think one is uh, in the Pepsi versus Coke war? Who, who has the better Cherry version, would you say? I don't It's been a while since I've had uh, Cherry Coke, because cherry, uh, Pepsi Max Cherry is low in sugar. So ah. that's the one I've been drinking more now. Okay. So I, I would have to go for that one. Okay, perfect. Uh, and I cut you off there a little bit. Uh, you were you were saying about the the bar cherry aid. Yeah, well, it's lovely. It's really nice. And um, that's also low in sugar, so that's why I've been drinking that. Whereas Bar's Iron Brew is high in sugar. Well, it's not high in sugar. They did reduce it recently. They changed the recipe and reduced the sugar in it, which is atrocious. But you know, <laughs> um, but during the winter, which we're currently in in Scotland, mm. I drink tea. Or water, ah. but yeah, I like tea. I like a nice cup of tea. 
So yes, yes. Now, winter in Scotland. I pardon me. I've never been there, so I'm, I'm bringing mm-hmm. my you know North American ignorance to uh, the UK here. But I feel like winter is like nine or ten months out of the year there. Like I think of Scotland <laughs> being kind of dreary and wet and rainy. Am I too far off the mark there? No, <laughs> we we do have a summer. We do have some really nice days during the summer. And this summer was actually quite good. This is oh, one of the okay. best, the warmest summers we've had in a while. But yeah, usually during the summer, we could still have like a rainy day. But we do have nice days occasionally. Okay. <laughs> occasionally. Now, do you have, going back to your, your childhood, is there any memory around junk food in particular that sticks out for you? Well, you see, the thing is, right, see, in the UK, every Christmas, the shops will sell um, what they call selection boxes. Okay. The big companies like Cadbury's or Mars or Nestle, they mm. would they release these boxes of sweets, and it's like chocolate bars. So you might get, like, Mars one might be like, you'll get a Mars bar of Snickers or something, or there would be... An M&M's themed one with all different types of bags of M&M's. Mm. And, and parents will give these to their children on Christmas Day. Mm. These seem to be the kind of easy gift that a relative will give a kid when they can't think of anything else. <laughs> they'll just give them a box of sweets. But, right. you know, they're decorated with, like, they'll have Santa or they'll have, like, a snowy day on them. They're, they're specifically made for Christmas. Mm-hmm. So I remember getting these a lot at Christmas and... I would be like, I would have a few weeks where I I would have like six selection boxes. So I'd be okay for a few weeks with sweets. I wouldn't need to go to the shop and buy any. Uh, But these days, as I'm trying to watch my sugar intake, I don't eat as much chocolate, sadly. But yeah, occasionally I'm still like, I did get a a selection box last year. So that was quite good. It was Maltesers. Do you know what Maltesers are? Yes, they're uh, like a malted chocolate ball, kind of. Yeah, I had the Maltesers one of those last year, so that was quite good. That's that's my, that's the thing I, I remember. Most of my memories involve chocolate. Okay. So <laughs> that one, because that one is that one specific, is the selection boxes. They're a the good present, though. Over the yeah. holidays. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I this is going to, again, show my ignorance, but we, we re- recently just passed Halloween. Is Halloween as big of a deal in the UK as it is in North America? It's, it has been more recently, I think. Mm. I used to go, we didn't call it trick-or-treating back then, but I used to go round the houses. I don't know what we called it. It wasn't trick-or-treating because that's an American thing. Right. But we, we used to do that when I was a kid. I remember dressing up and doing that as a kid and getting sweets and stuff. Over the past, like say, maybe decade, maybe 15 years, there's been a lot more presence of Halloween in the shops. Mm. They would sell more decorations and stuff. Okay. But then in the past couple of years, you would have Christmas decorations coming out just before Halloween. But yeah, we do celebrate it. We still get kids come around houses and we give them uh, sweets and stuff like that, yeah. And they, they dress up in, in, in masks and costumes and such? Yeah. Um, we used to get them to, like, when I was a kid, we would have to go and maybe say, like, tell a joke mm. or uh, sing a song or something <laughs> like that in, in, or, in order to get the actual sweet. To get the treat, that would be that would be what we had to do when we were children. We actually we had to earn it <laughs> back so then. That uh, that Scottish industriousness, I guess, it sounds like <laughs> so and you you have to work for your candy. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, these days it doesn't matter. We just give them sweets. So you you're dressed so, uh, up. That's good. Here, have a sweetie. So <laughs> <laughs> fantastic. 
All right. Now you mentioned that, you know, these days you're, you're trying to lower your sugar intake. Uh, you mm-hmm. know, funny, I consider doing this podcast because same for me, you know, here I'm doing a podcast where I kind of re- frequently have to eat these types of foods, but I really do try to keep them out of my day to day. But what would you say now is your go-to snack between meals? Oh, well, now I don't, I don't tend to snack that much during meals. Okay. But yeah. if I have to, if I'm hungry, it'll probably be a banana. Okay. I like I'm starting to eat more fruit, so it's probably a banana, because my mum works during the day, and she works, well, she works shifts, I stay with my mum currently, she works yeah. shifts, and she works in the morning, and then she has like four hours off, and then she works at night, so mm. she takes a banana with her, so she's always got bananas in the house, so right. every now and then I'll have a banana, but yeah, I'm trying to stay off snacks during the day. At night time, maybe I'll have a packet of crisps okay. um, or chips, as you call them over there. But uh, we have, but baked ones, baked crisps are better because they're not as fatty. Sure. As the fried yeah. ones. So that's what I tend to eat. Okay. Sometimes okay. I'll have the occasional sweet, but not chocolate. Maybe just like a jelly sweet or something. And with those crisps, a particular flavor that you, you like? Oh, yeah. I like either cheese and onion. Ah, yes. Or something sort of beef related, like okay. bacon or something, or just plain steak. I think there's steak. The ones I have at the moment are steak flavored. <laughs> so yeah, something like that. Okay. Uh, yeah. When I went to the, uh, so of course I had to go to a, a special store for for some of the items that we're going to be talking about today. Although uh, you know Canada has a, a fairly decent population of people who you know came here from the UK, us being a Commonwealth country and all. But uh, yeah, I, I did see, I saw cheese and onion, which isn't a typical flavor in North America. We have sour cream and onion is one of the ones we do, and I think cheddar and sour cream is another one. But cheese and onion, you know, I, that kind of stuck out as, as unusual to me. I saw some bacon, and I believe I saw some beef. Can't remember now if it was steak or bur- uh, burger or something like that. That there was a yeah. beef flavored one, so a little bit different than what uh, the typical snack is here. Yeah, because we do have a lot of really strange flavors over here sometimes not as strange as maybe say like countries like japan where they have all the weird kit kats and stuff yeah (laughs) Um, we're not that crazy but sorry japanese listeners but uh, (laughs) we do have a lot of like like variations on different types of crisps like we would have the cheese and onion and then we'd have like the chives and stuff like that it would be like different types of cheese an onion and it's like oh just just pick a flavor just <laughs> just pick a flavor it's fine yeah um barbecue beef and then just ordinary beef and then steak and then you know bacon I, yeah or pork but it's all really strange I but yeah that's a haggis chip and i've never had haggis uh, and that's it. being scottish i, I was going to ask you about this so this is, seems as, as good a time as any have you had haggis and what do you think a haggis chip would taste like uh, see i don't know what a haggis chip would taste like because i do i have had haggis and i hate it <laughs> so i've sort of letting the side down here a bit being scottish yes. and all but um, <laughs> um but haggis is actually my answer to one of your questions so <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, well, let's continue then. It might be the next one. What is one item that you find inexplicably popular that you can't stand? Haggis. (laughs) (laughs) I got ahead of myself there. No, it's okay. It's quite all right. For those who might be listening that maybe have heard about haggis, but they're not entirely sure, explain it to me in in 10 words or less. What exactly is haggis? Right. 10 words or less, right. Doesn't have to be 10. (laughs) Sheep's heart, lung and liver... Onions, mm-hmm. oatmeal, encased in sheep's stomach. Wow. Well, ten. 
10 exactly. <laughs> awesome. Well, you did really well there. We didn't even pl uh, plan that one. And I'm trying to imagine, is it served like on a serving platter, the entire stomach? Is it cut into slices? Like, what does it look like? It's like a, just like a ball of meat. Okay. Um, but th these days, most companies will not use the sheep's stomach. That's more like mm. a traditional thing. It's more mm. like sausage meat that they use now. Okay. For as for the base for the the casing, I mean, sorry, and it probably actually would have su suited your podcast because it is actually counted as a savoury dish, so it would have suited this. But I really didn't want to eat it again. So <laughs> <laughs> I guess that's why you didn't suggest it when I asked for suggestion. Okay. Yeah, I, you know, we we here in 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 the U.S. and in Canada, we eat hot dogs and sausage and and all kinds of cured meat products. So I suppose things like you know, heart and, and stomach and that kind of stuff probably end up in that and we don't think about it too much. It's not really the ingredients as much as I just don't like the taste. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, a lot so of people do like the taste. Idea. Yeah. Yeah. But, I was talking recently on this podcast, actually, about, you know, childhood memories. And, and when I was a child, one of the things that was served often was blood sausage. And apparently before I knew any better, I really liked the taste of it. Like I, I would eat it and I loved it. And then as soon as I heard what it was called, blood sausage, the idea of it being bloody just turned me off. And mm -hmm. even now as an adult, I haven't had it in a long time. I probably should taste it again at some point. But the idea of it and, and the remind the re memory of my mother cooking it on the stove and frying it and that smell, you know, just kind of uh, it repulses me. So maybe it's something like that where the idea uh, can turn people off. But in this case, you just don't like the taste. No, I'm not a huge fan of haggis. Do you know how we got round the... We got around the idea of um, eating blood sausage, how we got away from hating that so much. Uh, yeah. Over here, we call it black pudding. <laughs> so That's a little more tolerable. I'm just going to have yeah. a, a spot of black pudding. Yeah, because that's what it looks like. It looks, it just looks like a bit of pudding and it's like black around the, around the sides usually. So that's what it's called, black pudding. So uh, yeah, we don't call it blood sausages over here. I see. Uh, Do you like yeah. the taste of a black pudding? No, not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay all right well that's good enough for me now getting on to our drink which now i i want to say urn brew but i think i heard you say earlier actually like iron brew is it, is it pronounced yeah. iron brew iron brew yes it's, okay it's, it's like have the o in it yes it's just okay. the dough is missing and brew as in b-r-e-w but it's spelled b-r-u yeah okay well uh here is some fun facts about Iron Brew. Often described as Scotland's other national drink after whiskey, it was launched in 1898 by London essence firm Stevenson & Howell, who supplied soft drink manufacturers in the UK and colonies. It's sold throughout the world. I was able to get it pretty easily here in Canada, particularly in areas where there are large Scottish expat communities. Their marketing and advertising campaigns have been very innovative and sometimes controversial, but mm -hmm. it has kept it as the number one selling soft drink in Scotland. So beating out things like uh, Pepsi and Coke, which is uh, kind of shocking when you're coming from a North American audience. <laughs> The strongman image, which bars adopted for their bottle labels and advertising, had in fact been trademarked by the firm Stevenson & Howe as early as 1898. Bars sells around 20 cans of Iron Brew every second. 
only three people in the world know its recipe, which apparently contains ammonium ferric citrate. Now I'm focusing on the word ferric there. I think that's what gives it its kind of iron. Well, maybe that's why it says iron in the in the title, but also it has a bit of a rusty color. Sugar and 32 flavoring agents, including caffeine and quinine. So uh, only three people in the world know that recipe. In the National Museum of Scotland's range of exhibits selected by celebrities, sure Sean Connery himself chose a crate of iron brew. Yeah, kind of a, an interesting uh, history it has going there. And, and I was uh, really surprised to find out that it was the most popular drink in Scotland. When I initially saw this months ago, I thought, what is that? Because the label, A, it's got a very odd color. It's, it's not colored like, you know, Orange Crush is, or Fanta are popular drinks here. Those are more opaque and, and a brighter orange. This is very clear and a, a more of a rusty colored orange. Almost reminded me of an orange liqueur like Aperol or Campari, kind of dark, rusty colored orange. Mm -hmm. And on the label, there is a muscular man holding up an iron beam or something like that. And so I assumed it was maybe a, an energy drink or um, something like Gatorade, you know, meant for athletes or that kind of thing. So I came into this not knowing at all what I was in for. And, and I purposely put on blinders. So I would go into it uh, you know, I didn't want to know what anyone had to say about what was what it tasted like, what was in it, anything like that. So I had no idea what it was going to taste like. But let's talk about your impressions. You've been drinking it for a long time. Tell us what you think about Iron Brew. Well, used to love it so much. That mm -hmm. It used to be the sort of, I mean, it is like the go-to drink here in Scotland for some obscure reason, and I've got no idea why. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, I mean... I grew up in the 80s. I was born 76. So, like, growing up in the 80s in Scotland, it was just everywhere. Every mm. shop you go into. I went down to London in 1988, 89, 89. And that was the first time I've ever travelled outside of Scotland. And I went down to London in 89 when I was 13 years old. And I was surprised it just... I couldn't find a can of iron brew anywhere. <laughs> Nowadays, it's easier. When you go down to England, it's easier to find it in London, especially. Mm. But back in '89, I was so surprised that I just could never find this drink. And then one day, I found this cellar outside a museum, and they had it for like, I had a can for like one pound fifty. Yeah. Which is a lot of money back in 1989, considering they were only about thirty-five pence up in Scotland. <laughs> so. <laughs> So, yeah, that was, that's my memory. But no, I've just always liked it, and I just don't know why. It's best served really, not really cold, but if you put it in the fridge for a little while, it tastes much better. I think it goes flat too quickly if you, like, open it and then not drink it cold, if right. you know what I mean. If you just okay. drink it sort of warm, uh, room temperature, it's just not as tasty. Yeah. But, yeah, it is... Is one of my favourite drinks, but it is one that I don't drink as much anymore because of my health, because I'm trying to stay away from sugar. But they did reduce the sugar intake in it. Earlier this year, they reduced the sugar in it, and then a lot of people complained about it, but I don't think it tastes any different from what it did before, but uh -huh. hey-ho. Now, what, uh, speaking of taste, how would you describe the taste of an iron brew for, for those oh, who have jeez, I don't know. It's kind of like, it's sort of fruity-ish. Okay. But it's not really any, like, recognisable fruit, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Okay. Yeah. It doesn't yeah. taste of orange, it doesn't taste of apple, It doesn't, but it does taste like sort of something that may come from a fruit. Okay. But, yeah, it's, it's got a very sort of unique taste, Iron Brew. There's a yeah. lot of companies that have tried to duplicate it. 
Um, and there's some companies that release their own Iron Brew, and they actually spell it I R O N B R E W, okay. so they don't get sued. <laughs> <laughs> but none of them can touch it. None of them can replicate the taste of it. It's just that unique and sweet yeah. and just. I mean, what did you think of it? Well, it's a good question, and, and you know, I think maybe one of the challenges is this is something that you've had all your life, so you almost take it for granted. It, it would almost mm. be like someone asking me, like, what does Coke taste like if they'd never had Coke? And I'd probably have mm. a really hard time describing it other than to say it tastes like Coke, right? So mm. I have maybe the benefit in this uh, particular tasting because I'd never had it before, so I was coming into it blind. Let me talk a little bit. I've, I've already talked a little bit about the color of it. So it is a kind of a rusty orange, completely clear, as, as clear as, as tea with nothing in it, which, you know, the orange soda we have, as I mentioned before, is more opaque and a brighter orange. It almost has an iodine tint to it, which is what it reminded me of. So I kind of went into it thinking it was going to be medicinal. It smelled a little bit like citrus, a little orangey, a little vanilla. Mm -hmm. And I thought maybe a, a bit like bubblegum, if that uh, doesn't sound too insane. <laughs> maybe a little like cream soda, which is something, I don't know if you have cream soda there, but something that's yeah, kind of my popular beverage here. Uh, in terms of the flavor, I, I did get a bit of that bubblegum flavor that was on the nose. A little bit of orange, but not like a super sweet orange, more like an orange peel. So like, you know, bitter, but not not overly so. So like a, a slightly less cream soda with a little bit of bubblegum and a little bit of bitterness. Tangy. I thought maybe a, somewhat like tonic water. Like it, it almost tasted to me like a cocktail without alcohol in it. So maybe something like a, a Negroni or an Aperol Spritz or something, these, these kind of bitter orange you know, Campari and soda or something like that. Like it had, uh, it was reminiscent of that. And then the aftertaste stayed with me a little bit. And it was a little more bitter than, you know, something like an orange soda or, or a Coca-Cola or something like that. So very unique and, and very interesting. And I actually thought it was pretty tasty. I didn't find it overly sweet. And, and a lot of times, you know, soft drinks like this that aren't sugar-free, because I don't drink a lot of soft drinks, I do. But I, I certainly didn't find it overly sweet. Mm. It's funny you say about the, the alcohol part is sometimes people actually do mix iron brew with alcohol. Oh, um, and they would what would be mix a mixer? Uh, vodka, vodka and iron brew is something that they would go for but but it's it, i mean it is designed as a drink on its own right it's it's not designed as like you say medicinal it's not designed as anything like that it was just designed as a, a soft drink yeah but yeah it's it's funny to hear you say all that but yeah no that's that's right that's basically what it tastes like and yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm glad you thought it was tasty so yeah, I did. You know, I, I didn't know if I would enjoy it. And I did. It, like I said, it, it didn't rem it reminded me of a, it didn't remind me, it, it struck me as kind of a, a soft drink for adults, which is funny to hear that, you know, as a child that, that you liked it, because it, it just seemed a little more sophisticated than, you know, some of the super sweet, you know, soft beverages that, that we have here. And I know that, you know, you talked about it being meant to be drank on its own. I didn't talk about this in my intro, but, you know, the name Iron Brew kind of suggests something that's going to give you strength and, and, and power. The, the iron, uh, you know, part of it is what gives it its very unique color. So, yeah, it was a very interesting drink. I, I did quite enjoy it. That's uh, good. Shifting gears a little bit for some uh, more questions for you, Jimmy. Would you describe yourself as a sweet or a savory person generally? For my sins, I'd have to say sweet. Okay. <laughs> I got addicted to sugar from a very early age. <laughs> That's one of those things they didn't really warn you about, the dangers of when you were growing up in the 80s. <laughs> especially not over here. Especially not when we had Iron Brew as our national yeah. drink. <laughs> yeah, sweet. 
Okay. And uh, you you talk about growing up. When you were growing up, what was your most common uh, after school snack? If you were you were coming home, what did you eat when you came home? Uh, you know, before dinner. It would probably be a biscuit. We would okay. usually have like chocolate biscuits and a biscuit jar, and I would probably take one or two at a time. Okay. I'd probably take two, and then forget that the adults in the house could actually count. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that's probably what it would be. I wasn't allowed to eat a lot before dinner, right? Because when we got home from school, it would would have been about half past three, about four o'clock roughly. Mm. Uh, so we would have dinner about five. So okay. I wasn't allowed to eat that much. So I just probably just like a chocolate biscuit or. Yeah, and this no, would no fruit be, back then. No fruit, no bananas. <laughs> <laughs> this would be like a like a Cadbury or a, or a Nestle or something like that. Yeah, there's all different kinds of chocolate biscuit manufacturers over here as well. There's probably like. Have you ever heard of Jaffa Cakes? You know, when I was researching different things that have available, that name came up. I have no idea what it is, but maybe for a future episode, I should check it out. Yeah, Jaffa Cakes are amazing. They're it's just like a bit of sponge with a bit of like Jaffa on it, like orange and then chocolate over the top. Okay. And it's really nice. And probably them, I would eat Jaffa Cakes. Or it would be something like Penguin. Penguin Biscuit, have I heard of those? I have not, no. <laughs> yeah. I to confirm you're not talking about an actual penguin. You weren't no, not thinking. an actual penguin. Okay, no. it's good, not, good, good. It's not that cold here, JP. Um, <laughs> no, a penguin biscuit is basically just like just like a blob of chocolate. <laughs> basically, I think it's got a bit of waver in it, but it's not that sort of... Yeah, we used to just sell like bits of chocolate and just call it something over here. It's quite strange. That's... There's a sweet, a sweet uh, chocolate bar here called Whisper. W-I-S-P. P.A. Whisper. Okay. And they were very popular in the 1980s. And all it is is a bar of chocolate, milk chocolate. There's nothing else to it. It's just oh, okay. a bar of milk chocolate. <laughs> so, yeah, just uh, put out bars of chocolate and slap a name on it and people will buy yeah. it over here. So. Not, not a lot of innovation going on in the confectionery uh, <laughs> like in, in, over in the UK. Uh, it's so funny because now you see these candy bars and I don't know if it's the same there, but you know, they're putting, they're cramming as many things as they can into them. You know, they've got nuts and, and bits of pretzel and caramel and, you know, almonds and nougat and it just goes on and on and on. So it's so oh, funny. Yeah. You know, we they used to have, sorry, we used to have Snickers bars over here since, since the 80s, but they were called Marathon bars okay. for a while before they changed their name to Snickers. But yeah, that's where I used to get my peanut intake was from, <laughs> was from <laughs> Snickers bars. So yeah, we we did have a lot of things, but it was just, I mean, I, I do think we've got a lot more choice over here, chocolate bar wise, than you do in America or Canada. I do think mm. because we've got so many confectioners here and we import some from Europe as well, that we just have a lot of them. Right. And there's so much choice here. And that's probably why so many scottish people are obese <laughs> <laughs> well you know what you don't have the the monopoly on obesity because there's a lot no. of very many people in the u.s as well that's true that's true <laughs> now moving on to our next treat which is the pot noodle the uh, tomato beef flavor or is it beef tomato i forget which uh, what order it's in tomato, yes tomato okay there's some fun facts about pot noodles 
Instant noodles were originally developed in 1958 by Momofuku Ando as cup noodle. I think those are still served. The company Golden Wonder launched the pot noodle brand in the United Kingdom in 1977, so just shortly after you were born and shortly before I was born. Mm -hmm. uh, in July 1995, Best Foods, which is known over here as producing Hellman's mayonnaise, paid then-owner Dalgetty $280 million for its Golden Wonder Pot Noodle Instant Hot Snacks business. Manufactured in, I'm not even going to try and say the name of this, in <laughs> somewhere near Crumlin in Wales, which factory produces, typically produces 175 million pots annually. So a uh, popular snack there. I had never heard of this before you mentioned it for me. Apparently it's, a, it's a, a good cheap meal and, and some people say it's you know good after a night of drinking or that kind of thing. <laughs> Tell me, what are your thoughts on the uh, beef tomato flavor of pot noodle? Well, pot noodles are a staple for lazy people and for students. <laughs> and those two are usually the same thing. But they're very just easy to make. You just put hot water in and you stir it a wee bit and then you put the sauce in and stir it a wee bit and eat it. It's yeah. perfectly simple to make. The the beef during the eighties, the only flavours that Golden Wonder really had were Golden Wonder actually make crisps more. They're more oh, uh, known okay. for crisps over here. Yeah. The flavours that they would make for pot noodles in the 80s were the beef and tomato, the chicken and mushroom, and spicy curry okay. flavour. And that's all you had during the 80s. So that that was the beef and tomato one was the one that I would have the most because that was the one I preferred. And okay. we, only, we only had the choice of three. Nowadays, they have a lot more choice. I sort of go away from the beef and tomato one. I, I usually eat like sweet and sour as my go-to. Or recently they've released a pulled pork one. Okay. And that is glorious. And I tend to eat that. <laughs> but they're not particularly... I wouldn't say they were like healthy for you. They're kind of no, fattening. No, far from it. <laughs> <laughs> so... Yeah, while they're they're simple to make and they're relatively cheap, they're still quite sort of fattening. So yeah, but no, beef and tomato has been my was my favourite for many many years, and that was just the one that I just thought that since that was the first one I think I ever tried, that that's yes. why I would suggest it to you. Okay, well it was it was a good suggestion. I'm sure anyone listening is you know familiar with the kind of top ramen or cup of noodles. It's usually a styrofoam cup. In this case, it was a hard plastic cup. Peel back the, the foil lid there and you're looking down into, uh, you know, a cake of uh, fried noodles and some powder, uh, some kind of brown powder and a, you know, a couple of fried or uh, dry dehydrated vegetables. The smell I got off of it right away was kind of that fried noodle smell that uh, you're familiar with if you've ever had a cup of noodles. Kind of smells wheaty, um, a little bit of yeast, maybe garlic salt. There was something vegetal about it, but I couldn't really uh, put my finger on you know, what type of vegetable. It just smelled a, a little bit like it had something vegetable in it. Mm -hmm. um, after cooking, I definitely got a, a beefy and, and soy aroma. Oh, I almost forgot to mention, when I opened it, there was a packet of uh, sauce that caught me a, a little bit off guard. I didn't expect that. Um, and it was a, a sachet of uh, tomato sauce, I believe it was. Mm -hmm. um, when I opened that, it kind of tasted like a, a sweeter version of ketchup, and that was to be mixed in after cooking. So after cooking, I was getting that beefy soy aroma, maybe green pepper, tomato, garlic on the, in the flavor. 
It was beefy, but a bit acidic as well, almost like it maybe had a, a vinegar component to it, like a, a red wine vinegar, maybe something like mm. that. The peas were that were in it were, some of them were uh, totally fine, just like a pea. Others were still a little bit dry and, and a little bit uh, chalky in the middle. So uh, not a surprise, I suppose, when you're um, dealing with dehydrated vegetables. The noodles themselves were uh, curlier and, and denser and thicker than and it's been a long time since I've had instant ramen, but uh, from what I remember, these were a little bit uh, denser, but tasty. And overall, it was salty, which is uh, to be expected with something like this, but I didn't find it overpoweringly salty. All in all, I, I, uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Uh, it was uh, easy to keep. The broth was tasty and uh, easy to keep doing it, uh, you know, keep eating it right to the bottom of the cup. So I could see how this is a, a popular a snack for people who don't want to cook. You just put some hot water on it. You squeeze the you know the packet, stir it, and, and away you go. So uh, how's that for a, a review of pot noodle? <laughs> <laughs> it's more generous than I was expecting. To be honest, <laughs> uh, the the point of the um the you say about the the peas being still quite uh, what was it uh, powdery? You can actually if you it just depends how much you stir it. Mm that can actually, you can rectify that just by stirring it quite a lot. Uh, I know that, 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 sorry if that sounds patronising, but that's, no, no, not at all. it's like, it, it seems to be for some reason that pot noodles, you have to, that there's an act to actually make them properly. Ah. And <laughs> if you've been eating them for 30 years, then, you know, you, you tend to learn how to actually get rid of all the powderness. Right, right. <laughs> um, yeah, just how much you stir it and, then when you put the sauce in, you have to put the sauce in at the right time and stuff, and it's really it's really strange. Um, but yeah, there's a there's a there's a knack to perfecting um, a pot noodle. <laughs> it sounds like it. I, I am but an amateur in the art of pot noodle. <laughs> um, and by the way, uh, speaking of pot noodles, just a, a quick correction on the fly here. I got two of my facts mixed up. Um, when I was talking about the Iron Brew Mines, um, it was actually Pot Noodle Mines, so I confused two of their ad We were talking about the Iron Brew Advertising, which Iron Brew, I think uh, their advertising leans more on being a little bit shocking, a little bit provocative, maybe mm -hmm. uh, someone even say sexist. Um, the Pot Noodle Mines uh, was an advertising campaign in 2006, uh, these Pot Noodle Mines in Wales, and I remember being uh, particularly amused at the idea of a miner you know, digging a, a pot of noodles out of the ground. Um, so I wanted to correct that in case anyone listens to this and says, uh, what is he talking about? I've, I've never heard of an iron brew mine <laughs> advertisement. So anyway, um, so apologies for, for getting that wrong. But uh, moving right along to the uh, dessert portion of this Scottish meal, what snack do you like to have uh, if you're at the movies or, or, or watching a movie at home? I don't really... I, I, I don't go to the cinema that much because it's expensive and far away sure. from me. Oh, but when okay. I do... When I do get to go to the cinema, I don't really eat that much at the gotcha. cinema. Yeah. Um, I'll have like maybe like a bottle of water or a bottle of sugar-free juice with me and then just sort of drink that. But I don't usually eat much. But at home, it's usually, if I'm sitting planning to watch a movie, it will just be crisps, probably. Back <laughs> <to the> crisps. <laughs> crisps or whatever I've got in the house. If I've got yeah. any um, snacks in the house, I'll just be that. Maybe even a pot noodle. I might okay. even sit and have a pot noodle and watch a movie. Depends yes. on how long the movie is. <laughs> on, a, on a cold winter's day, that sounds like a good plan. It's it's 
kind of getting cold here and, uh, you know, maybe sitting and watching a movie. I, I only bought one pot noodle, so I'll have to find some other substitute, but something warm and, and, um, and kind of satisfying like that in front of the TV screen sounds like a good idea. Now, uh, what do you have any favorite seasonal snacks? You talked yes. about the chocolate selections. That sounds very seasonal. Anything else like that? Or does that come to mind? Well, like, like the selection boxes, um, mm. at Easter, food companies tend to also release like chocolate eggs. Okay. And it's yeah. like, big, big hollow eggs made of like whatever chocolate, like Cadbury's will be their chocolate and Mars will be their chocolate, whatever. And they would sell them in a box with maybe like two bars of chocolate. So you could maybe get like a Mars bar one or you could get a Snickers one or, you know, M&Ms. You've got a couple of bags of M&Ms with it. Right. And so they only came out to Easter. But my favourite favourite is a cream egg. Ah. Which is only ever released in the UK between January the 1st, I think. It's January till Easter and then they stop selling them right so they're seasonal so they count so um <laughs> so a, a good a good cream egg have you ever heard of a cream egg yes now i just to make sure we're talking about the same thing uh here there's a cadbury cream egg and it's mm -hmm. it's a chocolate egg and in the inside it has kind of a a white um i don't know fondant or something and there's a little bit of orange so it, it kind of represents an egg is that basically That's the same thing Yes, that's exactly it. Yes. Yeah, I haven't had one of those in a in a very long time. I'm sure at some point in this podcast I will, maybe when we get closer to Easter. But that's yeah, I don't, I actually don't remember much about it. Does the, does the interior of that have any flavor or is it just sweet on the inside? It's just sweet. It's just sweet. cream, sweet creamy. Uh, it's not anything like tasty. It's just it's more like the chocolate is tasty because it's Cadbury's chocolate. Yes. milk chocolate which is really yeah. nice and sweet so it's basically just that but yeah i haven't had one in a couple of years actually mm. again because i'm trying to stay away from sugar as much as possible yes. but <laughs> see <laughs> it's just making me just want to go out and get them now i can't get them in <laughs> january but still it's just made me want to go out and buy some chocolate but <laughs> hopefully i'll get a good selection box for christmas this year yes fingers crossed <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, do you have any odd combinations or, or snacks and treats and combo that you like that uh, the rest of us might consider slightly unusual? I actually, I, I don't, ah. but not really sort of snacks, but in the UK, I don't know if anybody else does this, but in the UK, we have something which we call cheese beanos. Okay. Um, it's, we make some toast and then we get some baked beans, you know, the ones with the tomato sauce in them yeah. in the tins. Yep. Then we'll cook the baked beans and put them on top of the toast, and then we'll melt some cheese on top. Oh, and that's a cheese. That's cheese beanos, um, <laughs> and they're absolutely delicious. It actually so, sounds pretty um, good. That that, that doesn't yeah. sound bad at all. <laughs> no, it, I couldn't. I couldn't think of a bad combination because I usually tend to stay away from that sort of thing. Right. <laughs> um, but in Scotland, we are quite known for like deep frying things, as right. you maybe heard. Um, that's actually kind of a myth, but um, it is something that has happened here. Uh, one of our local fish and chip shops did used to sell deep fried Mars bars, mm -hmm. and it became sort of like a fad here. It became a, a, a big thing here for like, I don't know, a year, and then it stopped. But then everybody just seems to think that we eat it every day in Scotland for some reason. <laughs> but um, that sort of thing would be 
maybe what you're talking about? Like a deep fried battered like piece of chocolate Mars bar? That sounds yeah. disgusting. And it is quite disgusting. So you've tried it? <laughs> I tried it years ago, yeah. Yeah. yeah, of course I tried it. <laughs> <laughs> they do it here as well, but it, not on a regular basis. It's more, we have carnivals and, and fairs and, and things like that where people will, and, and if you know exactly what I'm talking about, just stop me. So I don't mean to describe something to you that you have a, a concept of, but there'll be rides and games and, and mm -hmm. things like this, almost like the circus kind of atmosphere. And yeah, that's where you fun get stuff fair. like that. Yeah. Right. And you'll have deep fried Mars bars, deep fried, uh, what else have they done? Deep fried butter was uh, one of them. Deep fried Coke was another one they did. So they're, yeah, they're always looking at frying things. And it's this kind of extreme eating stuff you wouldn't normally do. And I think mm -hmm. people maybe give themselves permission to eat like that. I've not done it, not gone out and, and sought it out. And, you know, despite the fact that I'm, you know, a connoisseur of junk food, so to speak, I do try to avoid eating stuff like that. And it, it just sounds so heavy and so greasy. I, I, maybe it's delicious, but I, uh, I, I have not yet had the chance to check. Yeah, it's very greasy. It's yeah. really, I mean, and then on top of the fact that, especially back then, this was the 90s, I think I tried this, when yeah. chocolate was um, fatter fattier and just sort of more sugar and uh, yeah no it was not nice it was not yeah. um yeah Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> well enough said about that now if you were having a last meal and you knew it was your last meal so you didn't have to worry about uh how much sugar how many calories how much fat what snacks would be there probably just a lot of chocolate bars okay. or well, a lot of a theme. <laughs> yeah yeah or a lot of Jaffa cakes. Okay. Um, I would eat as many boxes of Jaffa cakes as possible because I'm going to die anyway. So who cares? Who cares? May as so, well die happy. <laughs> yeah, and and depending if it's between January and Easter, I would eat some cream eggs. So <laughs> if I'm dying after Easter, then I'm kind of screwed in that regard. <laughs> but yeah, I would just eat basically everything is humanly possible: chocolate. Maybe even a banana. You never know. <laughs> yeah, just clear the palate a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously some crisps. All right. Perfect. Well, that brings us, speaking of chocolate and, and sweets, that brings us to the sweet part of our review. Now for some facts about tonics. The company was formed by Thomas Tonic as Tonics in 1890s. So they've been around a long time. Mm -hmm. They're based in Uddingston, Scotland, uh, currently headed by Sir Boyd Tonic, who's the grandson of Thomas. Uh, in 2013, a joint report by the family business United and Close Brothers Asset Management, named it as the 20th oldest family firm in Scotland, still in operation. So imagine belonging to a family that, you know, for over 100 years has done nothing but make chocolate and sweets. Yep. The face of the Tunnock's boy appears on nearly all of Tunnock's products. And factory tours have become so popular, the firm keeps a two-year-long waiting list to manage demand. I hope I'm saying that right. Is it Tunnock's? Tunnock's, yeah. No, I okay. said it right. You even said Uddingston correctly as well, so that's good. Oh, perfect. That, that makes up for that <laughs> stumble I had earlier over the year. I wasn't going to even try that with the, the Welsh language. There's such a different... Oh. You look at it, it's almost like... A, well, it's not English, I guess. No, it's not. Um, it's really strange, the Welsh language. I can't even attempt it. Uh, or Gaelic, um, like Scottish Gaelic. I can't get wrap my head around that. 
just you know English English is fine with me I learned English when I was a child that's enough <laughs> oh, perfect um, Addingston is actually not that far away from me so just I know, FYI I know you're in Scotland where exactly are you in Scotland um, I'm in a small town called Lanark Lanark okay Lanark which was once home to William Wallace and is actually um, name checked in the movie Braveheart Oh, so, okay. There you go. Yeah, you got a little bit of history there. <laughs> now, yeah. have you ever been to the Tunnock's factory in, in Uddingston? Um, I've drove past it, but I've never been in it. I see. So okay. I know where it is. So. Perfect. <laughs> well, we chose the uh, the Caramel Log, uh, mm-hmm. one of the, the products that they carry. Now, for those of our listeners who've never had that, how would you describe it? Oh, jeez. Well, it's a log, basically, yeah. um, and it's waiver. Sorry, mm-hmm. wafers and caramel, and it's got like uh, sprinkled with coconut mm-hmm. and chocolate, and it's just absolutely delicious. And um, <laughs> it's one of the best things ever in the whole planet. So <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's Sounds how like I would describe it. So, again, this is all three of these items this week. It was pretty fun for me because I'd had none of them and I didn't know what I was getting into. So, um, as you mentioned, it, it is a little bit kind of a, a square. A log, maybe about uh, an inch, uh, an inch, yeah, you know, give or take. Smell of a really toasted coconut. There was a light chocolate aroma, but not really heavily, heavily chocolatey, uh, mostly coconut. Uh, when I cut into it, there were three layers of crisp that were uh, intermingled with uh, layers of caramel. The It was very dense and chewy. I, I didn't expect it to have as much uh, kind of texture as it did. Uh, I was thinking maybe going into it, it would be a, a little more like a Kit Kat, and it was certainly more uh, substantial than a Kit Kat. It was uh, almost date-like uh, flavor. The the sweetness in it, was, it reminded me of dates and, and coconuts. A little bit of chocolate there again, but not overly chocolatey. And yeah, it was sweet, chewy, crispy, uh, all good things. So uh, I, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Yeah, no, they're really, I mean, that's that was one of the first things that came to mind when you asked me to come on your show. And it's like, I have to try and get across just how good some of our snacks are in Scotland. <laughs> <laughs> and I think Caramel Log is quite possibly the tip top. There yep. are, Tunnocks do a lot of other things. Um, they do um, snowballs and um, what we call tea cakes and stuff. But yeah, but I think Caramel Log's my personal favorite. It's my go-to. Well, this is the uh, time in the show where we get to give each of these items between one and three stars. I think we chose some of your favorites here, so I'm expecting pretty positive reviews overall. But uh, starting with the Iron Brew, from one to three stars, what would you give it? Well... Child me would give it five out of three, um, <laughs> but but adult me now that they've sort of changed the recipe a lot. No, I don't know. I'm trying to think. I don't want to just say free for all three of them. <laughs> you are allowed uh, to ours too. If it's not quite three, you can go two and a half or two and three quarters. Two two and a half for brew. I'll say. Okay, you right. know I say uh, I would say the same. Um, I certainly didn't dislike it. I don't drink a lot of uh, sweetened beverages, so you know maybe if there was a sugar-free version, I, I'd certainly uh, be willing to give that one a try. That is a sugar-free version. Oh, okay, I'll have to keep an eye out for that. I also would, you know, you mentioned I'm a little intrigued by the idea of using it as a cocktail mixer because it, it just had that slightly herbal uh, bitterness that you associate with uh, some 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 drinks, not overly sweet. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'd give it a two five myself. 
Uh, what about the pot noodle, particularly the beef tomato flavor? Well, again, that'll probably be about a 2.5. It's something that I loved in my childhood, but as they've released more flavors, I've started to like different things, and I've sort of ah, moved on from the beef and tomato. But yeah, probably a 2.5 as well. I'm going to give this one a 2.0. It was mm-hmm. good. I, I enjoyed the taste of it, but I think probably you know, there are more flavorful things out there or even... I wouldn't be, I mean, this is convenience food, so it's hard to compare it against a soup you'd get in a, in a proper restaurant or something like that. Mm. But it really made me want to get like a, a bowl of Vietnamese soup or, or a Japanese ramen or something like that. So, um, but two is a very respectable. Two is, uh, you know, mm-hmm. I, I definitely uh, get this again. And then finally, we come to the Tunnock's Caramel Log. Uh, where are we at with that? Three. Three <laughs> your highest review. <laughs> yep. Yep. They're, they're perfection. I love yeah. them so much. <laughs> <laughs> I I quite enjoyed these as well. I'm going to give it a 2.75. So it's just a little under three for me, but that's because of probably my North American palate and, and what I'm used to in candy. So I, I dock it just a little bit. Okay, well, perfect. Well, thank you for that, uh, Jimmy. Now, and now we come to the part of the show where we read some junk mail. As a reminder, you can reach us at junkfoodiespod at gmail.com or on Twitter and Facebook at junkfoodiespod. Today's message comes to us from Alora. She says, Dear Junk Foodies, chasing your memories around junk food reminded me of the first things I shoplifted when I was young and <laughs> I was caught. Bubblegum and my mom made me return it. Okay. What items, if you did take from stores, were the ones you took? And did you ever get caught? And what was the story there? That's a great question, Alora. I think probably candy is one of the first things any kid wants that his parents don't want to give him. And it's just so easy to slip it into your pocket. I'll ask you, Jimmy, is looking something you ever engaged in as a youngster? I think enough time has passed now. We don't have to worry about the, uh, the cops coming after you. No. Sweets, yes. Yeah, uh... Our local shop, which is now a different shop, but it's just not that far. I, I live next door to a school, and next to the school is a park. So across from the park is a shop. <laughs> has to give you some geography. So we would go to that shop all the time, and we would get what we call a mix-up, which is like a 20p mix-up would be like uh, 20 penny sweeties or 20 um, sweeties that are two, uh, 10 sweeties that are two pence each, whatever, right? Yeah. So we would just make that up to how much we had. But we would always add in, because we could do it ourselves. The, the guy in the shop didn't mind, so we could always just add in maybe like, we would have like 25 pence worth of sweeties for 20 pence or whatever. Ah. <laughs> so just that sort of thing. But I don't think I've ever actually s- stolen anything. My cousins tried to get me to steal some cards like a, a deck of playing cards out of a shop once. Yes. Just like some sort of weird initiation thing, but I didn't do it and my other cousin did. But I don't think I've actually ever stolen anything. But yes, yeah, sweets. Sweet, 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 sweets. Is the, <laughs> the answer to that. It comes, <laughs> Always. It comes back to the initial question. Are you a sweet or savory person? I think we've heard it here, folks. Yeah. Well, I was a much more corruptible youth than you were, Jimmy. I remember, you know, one things that I knew my my mother would say no to, and uh, it was uh, pretty easy to uh, slip it into my pocket, or if it was a, a bulk bin type uh, situation where they had 
um, a scoop where you could scoop out candies into a bag that you might, I might pop one into my mouth. And I have a very specific memory of, I think they were either, you talked about Maltesers earlier, they were either chocolate malted balls or maybe a chocolate covered almond or something like that. Mm-hmm. And it was in a big barrel with a, with a scoop and you would uh, measure it out and, and pay by the by the gram or, or by the ounce, I suppose. And I reached in with my, my grubby little fingers and I put one in my mouth and I felt a hand on my shoulder. And I looked up and the guy looked to be about seven foot tall. Of course, he's probably as tall as I am now, you know, <laughs> five, eight. But uh, he looked like a giant. And he said, were you planning on paying for that? And I took it out of my mouth. So now it's wet. I walked to my mother, who at this point was already starting to pay for the groceries. He follows me and watches. And I asked her, can we get this? And I had it in my hand. And she, I'm sure, was just like, disgusted and <laughs> annoyed, but I didn't get into trouble for that one. But uh, boy, after that, I never stole again because you never know when the eyes of the law are on you. So I flew pretty straight after that. <laughs> yeah, we had that. We have that sort of thing as well. We call them pick and mix. Okay. Yeah. It's when you, you scoop sweets into a bag and then you go and get them weighed. Yeah. Yeah, we have that as well. But I can't think, I genuinely don't think I've ever stolen anything apart from sweets. I, I wouldn't say I was a good child because I wasn't, but <laughs> I, I never stole anything. Well, thank you for your question, Laura. And once again, if you have any questions for us or any suggestions about the show, you can reach us at junkfoodiespod at gmail.com or on Twitter or Facebook at junkfoodiespod. Thanks again. Now I have one final segment here that I like to call Junk Facts. So in this segment, I'm going to read you a series of statements uh, that have several uh, answers, and uh, two of which are incorrect, and the third or the fourth, depending on how many I gave, is actually true. So you have to tell me which of these is the lie and which is true. So uh, pretty simple. All right. Let's go for it. Go for it. Come on. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) My man, it's almost like you're watching a a football match. (laughs) The first Lifesaver flavor, I I assume you have Lifesavers there, the candy? Uh, No. (laughs) Well, we're already off to (laughs) Lifesavers, are those like menthol type things or are they sort of like minty type things? Yeah, they they come in different flavors. They're... uh, it's a hard candy with a hole in the middle. Or uh, uh, I think we call those polo mints. Okay, okay. So the first lifesaver flavor was cherry, cinnamon, or peppermint. Peppermint. Peppermint, right? You are okay. So you're you're really good at this, even though you've never heard of lifesavers. So <laughs> <laughs> you have an instinct for this stuff. Um, the first candy cane was made over four hundred years ago, over three hundred years ago, or over one hundred and fifty years ago. Oh, dearie me. Well, 150 is quite specific. Why did you choose that over 300 and 400? So that's making me think maybe it's 150. <laughs> well, that was a bit of a trick on, on my part. I threw in the 50 to throw you off. It was actually ah. 300 years ago. Who knew that uh, candy canes had been around that long? Yeah. Right? So You're a smart man, JP. <laughs> <laughs> I, I got you into a sense of false uh, security with that my favorite question. Well done. Um, the Snickers bar was named after what animal belonging to the Mars family? A French bulldog, a horse, or a pig? Horse? Horse is right, right? You are. You're back on the scoreboard. Yay. <laughs> I need some applause sound effects here. 
Now, you may not know who this character is, but Little Orphan Annie. Have you uh, heard of the musical Annie or, or seen the I movie? Have, yes. Okay, perfect. Little Orphan Annie was a spokesperson for Kraft Caramels, Tootsie Rolls, or Swiss Miss Hot Chocolate. Oh, I don't know that. We don't have any of those things. Um, could you could you say this, those again, please, for me? Sure. Kraft uh-huh. Caramels, so it's like a caramel mm-hmm. candy. Uh, Tootsie Rolls, I guess uh, that's not something you have there. I, I won't even begin to try to describe it. <laughs> um, or Swiss Miss Hot Chocolate is just a, a brand of powdered hot chocolate. Um, I'll go for the hot chocolate. You actually was the Kraft Caramels, but uh, oh, I'll give well. you a point on that because those are all things you don't have. So Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we have hot chocolate, but just not that brand. Not that particular brand. In 2012, what country's top candy sales, which was $682 million U.S., went to Trident Gum? Amazing to me that any country would buy more gum than, well, I suppose gum is a candy you eat every day. Chocolate might be for a special treat. But in any case, in 2012, what country's top candy sales went to Trident Gum? Was it Germany, Panish, or Brazil? Jeez. Uh... What was the middle one? Panish. Panish? Yeah. What the hell is that? <laughs> <laughs> um. <laughs> well, there, it's uh, the Republic of Panish. It's a very small country, or I completely made it up. That's possible. Yeah, <laughs> that's possible. I'll, I'll say Brazil. And right you are with Brazil. Well done, <laughs> sir. So I think out of that, uh, you only got about one and a half wrong. So you're... You're on the scoreboard there. Jimmy, I had a, a hell of a time uh, trying all of these. I thank you for your suggestions and, and for all the back and forth we had to do. We were uh, we had a seven-hour time gap, so there was a little bit of coordination that had to happen. Thank you for your suggestions and, and your enthusiasm for all this. Before we go, uh, any uh, where can people find you online? Yeah, well, my podcast, as we said earlier, is Drop the Pilot, and you can follow it on Drop the Pilot Pod or on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, and the website, I'll have to find the website, <laughs> uh, drop, drop the pilot pod.blogspot.com. Okay. Um, so, yeah, you can find it there. Perfect. Well, uh, thank you again, Jimmy, and uh, thank you for listening. I uh, really appreciate you guys listening, and any uh, positive reviews you can leave us uh, on your podcast listening services, whether it's Apple or Stitcher or, or Spotify, uh, would be appreciated. And as I say, a wise man once said, do everything in moderation, including moderation. Thanks again, Jimmy. Have a good day. It's a pleasure. Thank you. Bye now.